Welcome to Creative on Purpose Live. These conversations are about flying higher and endeavors that make a difference. Step into possibility with integrity and intention. It's time to be creative on purpose. Are you ready? Let's go. I'm your host, Scott Perry, author of Endeavor and founder of Creative on Purpose. Learn more about me and my work and grab a free copy of the Creative on Purpose handbook at BeCreativeOnPurpose.com. Let's meet today's guest. Mike Montague, welcome to the broadcast. Please tell our viewers who you are, what you're up to these days, and where we can connect to learn more. Sure. Uh, like you said, I'm Mike Montague. I'm Vice President of Online Learning at Sandler Training. If you're not familiar with Sandler, we do sales management and customer service training around the world uh, for companies and individuals uh, all the way up to large Fortune 500 companies, but we have local training offices where you could go and, and find more information yourself and online courses, which I, I'm in charge of. So I create, uh, help create the platform with my team and the courses that go in there for people to study around things like dealing with difficult people, uh, increasing your sales, how to manage uh, millennials and Gen Zers, all kinds of goal setting stuff, really cool things about helping you um, develop professionally and, and personally so that you can do your best work, which I think goes right along with what we're going to talk about today. And then uh, how you can find us, if you go to sandler.com slash sell, S-E-L-L, there's a free trial to the online portal that I manage. So we call that the Sandler e-learning library. And also I host our public podcast out there on iTunes and Google Play. So if you're listening to this, there's a good chance you like podcasts uh, and stuff like that, interviews. I interview a guest uh, every Monday, and we also have some other audio blogs that we put out during the week. It's called the How to Succeed podcast, or you can search for Sandler Training on your, your favorite podcast app. Fantastic. Well, I'm really excited for our conversation, and you are a rare guest in that you're actually employed uh, by someone else. And a lot of the guests here are self-employed uh, or you know, solopreneurs of one sort or another, or are here to talk about a project that they're doing on the side. So I would love to just learn a little bit about your backstory about how you got to Sandler, but also just like, what's your experience with working as a creative person, as a content creator within an organization? Yeah, that's a great question because the reason I have a full-time job is I got extremely lucky uh, in that this one fit all of the criteria that it would, uh, what I would have as an entrepreneur or creative professional independently, but with all of the positives of working for a company with the salary and benefits and security that goes along with it. So I've been a creative most of my life. I started in uh, radio out of college, and I also designed websites. So those two things typically don't go together. You don't see a lot of web designers and radio DJs. But um, I was always good with computers, but I didn't want to be a nerd. I didn't want to sit you know, in a room by myself behind a computer all day. And so I wanted to be cool. I wanted to be on the radio. Uh, and I pulled that off. I had my own show on the top 40 station here in Kansas City. I was Romeo because my last name is Montague. Um, and at the same time, I built websites for the Cumulus radio stations, and I got them broadcasting online for the first time. So I really got to do some cool stuff. Moved to an advertising agency to be their uh, creative director and, and website designer. Did that for a few years, and then finally around 30 I decided that I could go and work with my dad, who's a, a Sandler trainer. He's been doing it for 25 years now, since I was in high school. 
And I always kind of had a passion and, and took those courses on and off. Uh, I love the goal setting stuff. I love the personal development and uh, mindset things. And then uh, sales techniques and management techniques as well. Communication that I, I could use all the time. Uh, and I thought that was it. I thought I was going to work with my father and train people and uh, teach you know sales and leadership classes and have fun. And then this position opened up at the Sandler corporate office uh, to build courses and this technology to help all of our 300 classrooms around the world. So it turned out to be a cool thing. I work from home. Uh, so I get to shoot videos, make the podcast, write blogs, um, make online courses and, and do really cool things, work, set my own schedule and, and work with a cool team and have a budget to support all those creative endeavors. So I do things from my radio background, like hosting the How to Succeed podcast. I do things from my technology background and building the LMS and all of the apps and things that control it. And then I do things with my, my sales and uh, communication background from my father. Yeah, so one of the things that I think is worth underlining there is how, as a creative person in particular, when we set an aim for what we think we're you know, going to be doing with our lives or with our work, how rarely it ends up being exactly as we imagined at the beginning. But if you're doing, you know, if you're taking advantage of opportunities as they avail themselves and dealing with challenges as, as they pop up in a way that's professional and, and you know, healthy, um, you end up somewhere great. Uh, it's, it's almost, Mike, as if everything ends up perfect in every way, but that's a conversation for another <laughs> time. <laughs> uh, there's an inside joke there, folks, that we'll, uh, we'll, we'll maybe share another time. So, well, uh, I think you are onto something there because, um, what I, I think is setting those intentions out there. I knew, you know, how much money you want to make, what types of work you want to do. So I was actually working with, um, uh, life coach and stuff before this. And I've worked with speaking coaches and all kinds of coaches. I love getting help for, for stuff. And um, the life coach made a comment of like, what do you like doing the most? Cause I've always kind of been a person that's had a lot of options and it's really difficult to choose where I want to spend my time. And I kind of looked and I said, okay, there are these buckets. I want to be able to speak and write and create as much as, as possible but I also like to set up systems and processes and, and do things here. And I like to spend a ton of time learning and, and growing. So it's not just the same thing over and over again. And once I did that and looked at what my family needs for income and stuff, once you start putting these puzzle pieces together, you're, like you said, the rest of them tend to fill in and, and it limits your options in a good way to do it on purpose, right? Rather than accidentally running into right. or serendipitously. Is that a word? Running into uh, <laughs> running into those opportunities. Yeah. Well, for it's. I think what you're saying is really uh, important and and worth uh, underlining as well. It's the idea of setting forth an intention, uh, but not being attached to a specific result. Because yes, right. you know, you may, um, you know, it may appear that one job or another is the means to an end that you're. Uh, trying to achieve, but if if you're clear about who you are and and you know what your what your goals are, um, it's you can do any of a number of things that are still going to and give you the benefits that you want, um, but the actual outcome may or may not be exactly as you intended. But you can, and I'm happy. Would love to hear your take on this. I mean, yeah. 
I think that you can lean into any, you can lean into anything that's right in front of you right now and experience a greater sense of fulfillment, prosperity, happiness, well-being, what have you, just in the way that you engage with the work, because it's the work itself is is the reward. It's really not if you're focused only on the, the outcomes. I don't know what your experience is, but even people that I know that set out to be rich and famous, who became rich and famous are no happier than when they were poor and ignored. (laughs) And most of the people that become rich and famous set out to do something else, to change the world, to make something, to, to share their voice. And then the rich and famous was a byproduct of that. Those are the happy people. But two other things came to mind when you were saying that one is I think too many people, uh, and this is something our, our friend Seth Godin talks about all the time. Too many people focus on one right answer versus looking for possibilities. And so if you say there's one magical career for me that once I find my purpose, that's it. I I found the magic bullet. Now I'm going to be happy for the rest of my life. That's not true. That's not how life works. There are thousands of different things that you could do that would make you happy and and feel fulfilled. And so your goal is really just to find one of them um, and decide which one's best. I think sometimes you might disagree with this, but I think sometimes, um, that's the the movie script and that's what we see all the time and even with love and relationships that oh there's one right person for me and all i have to do is find this one right person and then they're upset if that one person you think was the right it doesn't like you back or if it doesn't work out or you meet somebody else that might be another option you're like well yeah there's probably multiple people out there there's multiple jobs and i think if you look for kind of the best option or the one that's right for your circumstance it's a lot different. And then you can enjoy the journey, as you mentioned, versus thinking, oh, I have to hit this destination and there's only one right option. And if I don't hit that right option, my life's a failure. That's a terrible, terrible way to do it. It's like playing the lottery. And the only way that it turns out well for you is if you hit that one in a a billion chance, right? Yeah, no, I think that's, um, I, I think that's really true. I mean, what you're saying to me is, uh, basically similar to what we said earlier, it's, it, you can make the, if you, you can make the most of any situation or circumstance you find yourself in, you know, there is not one person that's your soulmate, but if you are in a relationship and you are engaging in a way that um, is in alignment with who you are and, and respects and em- empathizes with the person that you're in the relationship with, chances are it will grow and flourish and both parties will be satisfied and fulfilled through that process. And you were also kind of speaking to this idea uh, when you mentioned our our friend Seth Godin about, you know, the idea of perfect. And the other thing is you can't wait for things to be all sorted out before you start. It's never going to be, if you waited until you could say a complete sentence before you started speaking, you never would have started speaking. If you waited until you could take a perfect step forward as an infant or a toddler, you never would have started walking. So this idea that um, you can have intention and you can be, you know, clear on who you are and and what you're seeking to do. But at some point, um, if something's going to happen, you're going to have to get started and you're going to have to start doing things. Um, And so there's the acceptance that perfect doesn't exist. But also, um, I'd love to just explore how this works in, in, in the work that you do at Sandler and, and your other enterprises. You also have to kind of lean in knowing that things might not work out exactly the way 
that you are hoping uh, at the beginning. Do you have any uh, any ways of approaching that that, that um, help you lean in anyways, even when the outcome is uncertain? Yeah, I think that's one uh, of two things that I've been working on recently. And you mentioned uh, the side projects. One of mine is trying to be more creative and have more fun in, in my work. The other one is dealing with this risk and uncertainty. Uh, we talk about it a lot in, in Sandler because in sales, you know, you're going to knock on a door or pick up a phone and you have no idea whether that other person's going to buy or not, but it has very little to do with you. Uh, it's mostly about what that other person needs, their budget and, and their decision-making process uh, and very little about how you perform. So if you take all those things personally, you're going to have a rough go. And I think that's true in the creative world as well. If you try to put too much pressure on yourself to make something perfect or, or only work or only take projects where you're going to look good, you're not going to grow. Growth and excitement and for me, that purpose and passion in life, the the energy comes from the it might not work part. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know if it's just me, so maybe you could chime in on this, but ever since I was a kid, once I figured something out in school, I was kind of done with it. You know, if they teach us about clouds or whatever in science, next year, I don't need to hear more about clouds. I got it. They're dust particles, water forms around them. I get it. Let's move on. Uh, or math. It's like, I don't need to keep going over the multiplication tables. I get how multiplication works. I'm done with it. Let's move on to another challenge. But when something might not work, when there's that, that air of, that's why I love public speaking and the radio and stuff is every show is different. You can't, um, it's the infinite games versus finite games. You can't win a radio show. You can't, there's no way to do that. All you can do is your best show this day with the colors and the music that, that comes up. And you have to be present in that moment. If When I'm on stage in front of like 1,500 people, that's the highlight of my year. It's like Christmas because I have to be in the moment. There's no other choice. I can't think about tomorrow. I can't think about last year. It doesn't matter at all. What matters right now is what's going on in the environment around me. And it might not work. And there's that, that tension there of uh, I need to really be on it. If I knew it was going to work and I had rehearsed the speech so much and everything that I, I knew I couldn't fail, some people take that approach. To me, that's not fun. I don't want to go up there and uh, play a song. I know you're a musician. I don't know how musicians do it. Like the Rolling Stones playing the same song 60 years later, I think would be incredibly boring for me. But maybe they found other ways to make it interesting and and add that I think the size of the checks that are clearing probably, <laughs> probably something to do with it. But you, yeah. you, you highlighted two things that I think are really worth sticking a pin in and just, again, um, highlighting. The first is the idea that, you know, that challenging work is fun work and that, you know, it's if you have that mindset of leaning into a, something that new, that's where the outcome is uncertain as like an adventure that is not likely to end up in your death or bankruptcy or <laughs> divorce. I mean, it can be really fun to be challenging yourself and, and learning. Um, you know, the, the analogy I always use is I chose to make music for a living for 35 years and you don't work music, you play music. So, you know, you better be having fun. And even if I was stressing out because I was playing a big festival venue or a, um, opening for a, a headliner who, you know, I was hoping would be impressed by, you know, what I did. Mm -hmm. um, it just, uh, you know, it would, it 
took the fun out of it. And I would have to remind myself, this is the, this is the work that I get to do. I didn't have to do this. I get to do this. And if I get to do it, I better bring my best effort and I better be enjoying it while it lasts because it is not going to last forever. And the other thing that you were pointing to is this idea of rigor, like challenging work is worth it because it's challenging. It reminds me a little bit of um, the Viktor Frankl quote, something like uh, what man actually needs is not uh, a frictionless or tensionless state, but rather um, some the, uh, the struggling and striving for some goal worthy of him. And that, you know, work that's worth it comes at a price. If it was easy, everybody would be doing work that's worth it. Um, but it's it's not easy, which is why not everyone engages in that kind of activity. But also the you know you don't build you don't build muscles or you know uh, or are able to run longer and faster right. without exerting yourself. You have to have a daily discipline practice with an intention in mind and, and, and have to be doing that at a, at a frequency and with enough resistance that you are increasing your strength in whatever aptitude you're, you're seeking to, uh, to push yourself into. And I want to use that as a segue to go back to something that you mentioned earlier, which is that you worked with coaches. And this is obviously as a coach in Seth's Akimbo workshops, but also having um, coaching programs by on a creative on purpose, a subject near and dear to my heart. Um, and I would just, I would love to learn a little bit more about what was, what, what went into your decision to seek out a life coach or a, a professional coach of some sort? And what's, what's your, been your experience with, with uh, engaging that way? Uh, well, I, again, I think I, I got lucky here, so I can't take a whole lot of credit from this other than just following uh, good people, but I won the, the birth lottery. Obviously, I'm a middle-aged white male in the middle of the country, which is uh, a lot of that as well, but also my father um, loved coaches and psychology and stuff, and you know, I mentioned he became a sailor trainer when I was in high school, but before that, he was still teaching us really cool things like reverse psychology when I was a kid. I my One of my earliest memories is from uh, preschool when uh, like a bully was picking on me. And every time I'd play with a toy, the bully would come take that toy away. And, and he said, my dad said, oh, that's easy. Just go find a toy you don't want to play with. Act like it's the coolest thing in the room. Then when he takes that one, you go pick the one that you wanted. <laughs> and I was like, oh, all right, I can do that. And I think um, he set up the expectation of getting coaches in sports and things. So he would pay for camps for us, uh, for soccer and basketball and, and baseball, and really instilled in us, uh, my brothers and sisters, that um, you can't read the label from inside the bottle. You can't mm -hmm. figure out your own way, or even if you can, it's going to take you 10, 100 times longer to figure out what's holding you back personally. And that somebody else can spot it really easily because they don't have all the baggage and, and backstory that you have in your own head. And they're not the one trying to do it at the same time. So yeah. Tiger Woods has a golf coach. Michael Jordan had basketball and shooting coaches. Uh, there are reasons why the, the top people use coaches. It's because it's so much easier. Yeah. Well, and that's the, the thing that I think people that argue, oh, I don't need a coach. I, you know, everything's free on the internet and that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. what, what an effective coach is doing is, I think, 
taking takes on two really important jobs. The first is to help you see what you don't yet see, and 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 encourage you into <laughs> into those areas that you you know are hiding from or or or, or avoiding because you know they're able to to see through the the noise in your head or or are immune to the noise in your head and and are able to see possibilities that you don't see. The other thing is I find um, as a guitar instructor and also as a as a as a coach, you know, I'm I'm constantly in this effort to coach myself or teach myself out of a job because I don't necessarily mm-hmm. want to have somebody be reliant on my insights or my um, inspiration to help them further their journey. That my job is to help them become a person who can then turn around and help the next, you know, the next person, um, you know, next to them or, or below them or, or what have you. So I really appreciate you, you highlighting that because I think um, I'm, I've become more and more a person that just believes that everybody should have a coach. I have coaches they have made all the difference in helping me level yeah. up in any endeavor that I've ever um, attempted to, to level up in. So, I have one more thing there before we move on is um, I think it's all of the above for me. Um, I have peer accountability partners so I can learn from other people. I do online courses. Obviously, I make them uh, so and I take them as well. That's how we met. Um, I think you do all of the above. If you're putting all your eggs in one basket, you're missing some mm-hmm. things. So you need to uh, work on some weaknesses. You need to enhance your strengths. You need to talk to a coach. You need to have a peer mentor. You need uh, groups. Sometimes you just need to have fun and uh, fail and do things that you're you're bad at just to stretch the comfort zone and stuff. I think it's not just one area, but a coach and somebody outside of yourself is really one of the key areas. If you're not getting help from somebody, uh, you're not growing as fast as you could. Yeah. Well, and I love that this conversation is sharing the importance of relationships, you know, whether that relationship is with a teacher or coach or with somebody that you are, you know, assisting um, or just the people in your circle, you know, that serve as your support network and encouragers or, or the people that give you feedback for a lot of us that, you know, are interested in the content that Creative On Purpose is putting out, you know, they're, they're solo actors or solopreneurs or, you know, online educators or speakers or, or what have you. Um, and it's easy to get kind of trapped in the self-help bubble and forget that, change really happens when it's not a self-help activity, but a help others activity and that it's our, you know, when we are surrounding, being in, as intentional about who we surround ourselves with as we are about the, the things that we're engaging with, that the needle can really move for us because we have the right, we find ourselves where we belong with the right people doing the work that we're supposed to be doing now and making sure that we have people that are keeping us um, true to who to who we really are. So as we're approaching the end of our time together, I, you know, we've talked about the importance of teachers and mentors, uh, of relationships, of goals, of uh, happiness. Um, I would love to uh, lean into the, the idea of the challenge and work just a little bit more. And, and I would love for you to just share a moment and we don't have to call it a failure or a mistake, but I mean, a situation where things didn't work out as you had hoped that you were able to 
turn into a lesson or recover from or flip into an opportunity um, that had a, a meaningful impact um, and you know taught you a lesson in patience, resilience, acceptance, humility, what have you. Uh, I'll share two because I have one all-time favorite, which is from my radio days. And then uh, I'll give you a Sandler one just because I, I think they're both similar. One of the things, um, it's I don't know how it came about. I, I'd have to dive deeper into the story, but I seem to take the big chances and fail, fail publicly more than other people. Um, I think that's one of my strengths. I don't seem to be too embarrassed about that. So at Sandler, we're a big organization. We have, as I mentioned, around 300 classrooms working with very large companies, uh, small companies. There's over 100,000 registered users in Sandler Online that I, I help manage. And um, if you mess up for 100,000 people, you're going to get some emails. Uh, and so one of the early on things we... Um, triggered uh, a survey out to everybody that was registered at the time. I think it was like 50,000 people. And um, the list was so long that by the time the server processed all of those things, it started over um, the thing. It timed out. So it would send like 45 out of the 50,000 emails and then start over at one again, trying to finish all 50,000. So I sent three to six emails to about 50,000 people. And that's stressful <laughs> because then I started getting thousands of emails uh, back. And so it's something we learned that server can't do it. We need to use an email marketing server for the, the survey next time. And um, if the worst thing that I do is send some people some extra emails, that that's not a bad thing. I can survive that, right? And, and so can they. So a lot of tension. And then our thousand, you know, trainers around the world were asking me what was going on. And for, for two days, I had a lot of tension, but it was fun. And if we have time for the really quick one, I'll make this one short. Mm -hmm. uh, and then you can ask me follow-up stories. But I, Billy Idol's opening act got sick. And he asked me to um, ask the radio station if they had anybody that would play music beforehand. So they said, play rock music. It's a rock show. And don't play any Billy Idol songs. That was my direction. And I said, okay, great, I can do it. So I got up there and I was doing my thing, but as a, a dance DJ, I didn't have a lot of rock songs. There's not a lot of rock songs people dance to. It's like, you shook me all night long, uh, pour some sugar on me and you know maybe a, a handful of others. So I played those, I'm about 15 minutes into the set and I'm like, I gotta change this up, play something else. I figured it was a retro show. So I played um, Casey and the Sunshine Band, do a little dance, make a little love and get down tonight because I have a joke that we're not necessarily in that order, save the making love for the end of the night and we'll do the dance and, and get down. Um, and so I play the song and just doosh, the lights come down, house music comes up. I look over the side and the manager's like, you're done. Um, and so I got fired on stage in front of thousands of, of people. I didn't get paid. I just packed up my equipment and, and sulked <laughs> off. But after that happens, when you get fired by Billy Idol in front of thousands of people, you're like Superman. You're uh, <laughs> you're bulletproof. It can't get worse than that. That is a hilarious story. So, what was the what was the the reason for was it the joke or was it the uh, the, the musical choice? No, just the musical choice. So oh, I, I fast forwarded <laughs> a little bit, but they did give me feedback. I had played one other song, and they were like, "We said play rock music," and I'm like, "Yeah, I get it." Like. I, I think it was probably a pretty cheesy song. I think I played something retro like uh, uh, Jenny by Tommy Two-Tone or something. I was thinking like Billy Idol, like what's in that 
that vein and they were right. like no we said play rock music like the stones and so i i played a, a stone song that i had and this is before you could just download more music right. <laughs> so i'm stuck with the songs that i have you know in my cd case at the time oh that's hilarious well what a, what a great story um well our time is uh coming to a close but i do want to ask one final question this is the question i always end with with my guests and that's to just ask what's one tip or piece of advice that you'd leave listeners with that would help them fly higher in an endeavor where they seek to make a difference? That's a great question. I should have a go to answer for this, but I, I don't. Uh, my favorite quote is Abraham Lincoln. Uh, Whatever you are, be a good one. Mm-hmm. I think my advice would be, it really doesn't matter what you pick, you know, take what's in front of you, do your best at it. If you want to be, you know, an underwater basket weaver, or you want to, want to be an astronaut, whatever it is, like take the time and the effort to learn like a professional. And I always use the football analogy because we're in that season now too, but they only play for three hours on Sunday. The whole rest of their time is becoming a better football player. And, and think about that compared to how much time you spend doing your craft versus becoming the best in the world at it. Um, and it probably needs some adjustment. Fantastic. What a great place to end. Well, thanks everybody for tuning in. Mike and I really appreciate you lending us some of your valuable time and attention. And we hope that today's broadcast motivates you to lean into an endeavor that matters with greater curiosity and courage. And so you can learn more about Mike Montague at sandler.com. And of course, it's always great to see you at becreativeonpurpose.com as well. And now go out and make a difference and keep flying higher. Mike Montague, thank you so much for your time and the expertise that you shared with us today. Thank you.